All right, it's so good to see you today. If you're new, we want to welcome you and say a big hello. We're so happy to have you with us. Um, who loves a good party? Does anybody love a good party? Woohoo! Okay, so we need to define the two types of people at a party. So, who is someone who is an absolute dance floor person? So, you will find them on the dance floor. I can hear some yes at the back over there. Yes, absolute dance floor people. You're there till the end of the night, the last ones. Who are the people who would never be seen on a dance floor ever? Aaron Foster, put your hand up. Never seen you dance. Rick, yep. Classic culprits. Yeah, I see those hands over there. Lots of non-dance floor people. Because I fall into the category where you will find me on the dance floor. I will be there till the bitter end. And the best party that I have ever had, as well as our wedding day and the moment that I did marry Ross... But the party was really, really good. And it was like the one excuse that I had to just stay on that dance floor all day and all night. And it was my favourite party in the whole world. But can you imagine the parties and the celebrations that were happening when Jesus resurrected? Can you imagine it? Everybody round celebrating together. Have you heard it? Can you believe it? It's incredible. He's done it. He's done it. Life will never be the same again. Can you imagine that the praise parties that people were having never ending? But the party didn't end there. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he had one last thing to tell his disciples. And we call it the Great Commission. And Jesus says these words in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Get out there. That is what our current series is called at the moment at church. And Jill kicked us off amazingly last week. And if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to it again online. And she shared about her life's work um, and what that's been all about. And then the challenge that mission is a lifestyle. It was brilliant how she kicked it off. And so Jesus tells his disciples to get out there, to go and make more disciples, to take everything that they've seen, everything that they've experienced, they've heard, they've witnessed that faith and share it with everybody else. This was the mission of the disciples. And then as we read through Acts, it's the mission of the early church. And that has carried on today where it is our exact same mission. And one missionary called Hudson Taylor, and I didn't get the name from uh, him before you asked me. Um, No, I didn't. Um, He said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but it is a command to be obeyed. You know, we believe in the transformational power of the gospel, don't we? We believe in that church. We've experienced it ourselves. And so Jesus calls us to play a part in sharing that with our world. This isn't a call for a chosen few or those of us that are leaders in church or gifted evangelists, but it's a call for us all. 
And we have, and I love that absolute promise of Jesus. And he says at the end that he is with us to the very end of time. So today I thought it'd be really good for us to look at three different characters in the Bible and their stories about how they were called to get out there in their world. So we're going to start with Esther. Esther was an amazing woman of God. And her call is quite different from other people's in the Bible. She doesn't have this miraculous moment where God turns up in this clear-cut voice and says, Esther! Or it, it, it doesn't have that, like, she doesn't have that specific of what to do next. Or it's kind of quite cloudy for Esther. But in a really brief roundup of the story, Esther was a Jewish girl and she was chosen to be the next queen of Persia. Haman, who was one of the king's most powerful officers, had made a plan to kill all of the Jewish people in the land. And now Esther's cousin, Mordecai, he raised Esther. He heard of this and he encouraged Esther that she needs to do something. And both of them have this exchange together. And in the midst of this conflict and in the midst of a problem, this is where Esther receives a calling. Esther's unsure, she's scared, she doesn't know what will happen. And then Mordecai says to her, maybe, just maybe, you were here for such a time as this. Just maybe. And in that moment, Esther realises the position that she's in. In that path that God has absolutely led her here. It wasn't by accident, but it was the absolute place where God had called her to. You were born for such a time as this. Every single person in this room. And we've got to take a hold of that and run with that, with all that we have. When we talk about getting out there and sharing the good news, I think sometimes often we can think that our positioning isn't quite right. I know I, like, when I look back on my journey, I have definitely experienced this. I, like, growing up in school, I probably wasn't the best at sharing my faith. I didn't, like, tell people a lot about it. And I'd always, like, consciously say to myself, like, when I get to college, that is when it starts. That is when I'm going to go for it. And then I'd kind of get to college and I was, like, making a few steps and stuff. And then I'd think to myself, no, my position is not right. When I get to uni, whoa, like, that is when I am going to start it's going to be so good and as if my positioning had to change but I read another comment and it it said this you have been wishing for another position where you could do something for Jesus do not wish anything of the kind but serve him where you are You were born for such a time as this, the very place that you planted, the very family that you planted in, where you work, the place that you live, the places you go, the people you see, God has placed you in every single one of those arenas for a purpose. Think about that today. What places has God specifically planted you in for this moment? You know, Esther's first response to Mordecai was one of fear and worry about what could happen to her. But if we look back at the Great Commission and Jesus' words, before his command to the disciples, he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, to Jesus. Jesus knew that this command might not be easy and it might come with challenges, but he encourages us to put our trust in him, the one who reigns above it all, the one who has authority over heaven and on earth. 
You know, maybe some of your worlds might look quite challenging. I don't know what they look like. But we can get out there in confidence and in truth, knowing that Jesus reigns above it all. You called for such a time as this. And God's word says in 2 Timothy 1.17, the spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. That is what we are walking out with. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We are walking in that. And it doesn't make us timid, but it gives us power, love and self-discipline. The second person we're going to look at is David. And David's get out there moment was when God anointed him to be the next king of Israel. Did anybody used to watch the dating program, Take Me Out, with Paddy McGuinness? The guys had come down in the lift and all the girls would be like, woo, it's very exciting. In my head, I imagine it a bit like this. Not quite a dating program because God was not trying to find that. He was trying to find the next king of Israel. But in my head, this is what happened. And David had loads of brothers. They were tall, handsome, ready. Everybody could see that they were obvious options to be king. They came down the lift and everyone was like, yeah, woo, they're awesome. And they arrived and everyone was like, yes, that is God be it. He's the next king of Israel. But no, it says in the Bible that God said, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. And so they go and get David, this absolutely unlikely person. He's totally an unlikely. The guy tending the sheep in the back. The Bible said he was handsome, but obviously not as handsome as his brother's. But I imagine him coming down the lift and everyone's like, it's the next one. It's going to be amazing. And then he comes down and everyone's like, oh, everyone's likes go off. It's David. Oh, no. But you see, David, according to everyone around him, he was unqualified, not up for the job, not ready, not good enough. But God saw something completely different. He saw his heart, he saw his authenticity, he saw his boldness and his courage and his heart after him. He had a heart after God. Sometimes when we think about the commission, we can think, who, me? Me? I'm sure that some of the disciples might have been feeling like that when Jesus told them, I'm way not good enough. I can't do that. It's not me. And Jill touched on this a bit last week when she was saying how shy and quiet she was, but that it was through Jesus that she was able to do all of the things that she did. You see, church, we are doing this in his strength and not our own. God's created you. He's formed you. He knows you. And it is exactly that you that he has called you know, last week at TOTS, um, Brian was leading some prayer time. And um, before the session, he just really simply said that the best way that we can outwork the vision is just by being ourselves. As we speak to people and we're there and through all that we're doing, we're doing it together. And it's just being who Christ has called us to be. And that's absolutely enough. And that will make the biggest impact. No, this is absolutely true in my life. Thinking back on my journey and where I am today, it wasn't because someone sat me down regularly and told me, okay, this is what you need to do to be a disciple. This is the steps that you have to follow. It wasn't because of that at all. I saw how people lived their lives. 
And I particularly remember when I was on the youth team and we would just do life together. Like we'd just do spend time together, normal everyday stuff, but we'd just do life together. But growing up for me, those moments had such an impact on my faith. I saw how people lived their lives. I saw what they believed, how they followed Jesus daily. And their love for Jesus made me ignite a passion and love for Jesus too. You know, I was listening to um, someone who I love speaking called Bob Goff. And one of the things he said, I was just stumbled upon it this week. And it said that we don't lead people to Jesus. Jesus leads people to Jesus. And I love that because that was so true of my journey that I saw Jesus in people. It radiated from them. And that Jesus led me to Jesus. And it got me thinking that if we want others to know Jesus... We have to know Jesus intimately. You know, recently, this is quite an embarrassing story, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I um, got some new body wash. And um, I, it was just one that I picked up. I thought, this is a great body wash. Um, and um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this story. You're laughing. Um, and it was just an everyday body wash. So I'm there in the shower the next day and I'm washing and I'm like... I could like smell something. I was like, I know this smell. I definitely know this smell. And it smelled like Richard Cook. (laughs) Exactly, exactly like Richard Cook's aftershave. And I was washing myself and I was like, oh, this is like really weird. So I had to wash myself really quick and I was like, get it off me. But all day, all I could smell was you. (laughs) But both me and Ross independently used this body wash and didn't speak to each other about it. And then it was like one evening we're like that body wash really smelled like your dad and he was like yeah I know and we're like it was very strange but (laughs) I am saying this for a reason but the closer we are to Jesus the more times we spend in his presence it just naturally becomes who we are it rubs off on us people will smell something different about you when you've been close to Jesus We'll be better equipped, we'll be better prepared, we'll be ready for anything because we have spent time at Jesus' feet. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. He spent time in his presence. He knew God intimately. And that meant he was absolutely equipped for anything that would come his way. What is your proximity to Jesus this morning? The last person we're going to look at is Isaiah. He, was, he had an incredible encounter with God himself. He sees God in all of his glory, in all of his holiness and magnificence, and then he instantly feels totally lost and unworthy in the presence of God. He says this, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah sees within himself that there are some things that he needs to sort out with God. He humbles himself and God restores him, heals him, brings him that peace in his presence. And then Isaiah can say these words, here I am, send me. 
He is fully surrendered to God in that moment. Here I am, send me God. I'll do all that you ask, whatever you ask, wherever. It says in Hebrews 12, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Is there anything that you need to throw off, get rid of, in order to get out there. Isaiah had to do this. He recognised there was something in himself that was a stumbling block. And it's interesting that the very thing that was a stumbling block for him, his unclean lips, was the very thing that God called him out to go and change and do something about. He knew he needed to sort it out. You know, is God asking you to throw off something today? It could be disappointment that you're carrying. Maybe you've tried all this before and it hasn't worked. Maybe it's fear of taking that step. You know, what will people think? What will people say? Maybe it's sacrificing something so that you have the time to do this. Maybe you've got loads of other stuff in the way. And it seems difficult or scary. But just like he did with Isaiah, God can restore us in a moment. I loved something that I read that said, his grace and mercy drew us to himself. Now his grace and mercy send us out. In coming to Jesus today, we can be fully restored in his grace and mercy. But it is then in that very grace and mercy that he calls us out to run that race in perseverance, fixing our eyes on him. You know, it's that heart of gratitude that Jill was talking about last week. I loved that. That is why we do what we do. None of us would be here without that grace and that mercy. Here I am, send me. You know, note that Isaiah says yes to God even before he knew what God was asking him to do. He wasn't presented with the call and said, oh yeah, that sounds really good, God. I'm going to go for that. That sounds great. But his heart was to be available and ready regardless if the band wants to join me. You know, I had a a moment a few years back and it is probably the most stressed and the most angry that I've seen my mum. You're all going to be pardoned to that moment now. (laughs) I had just finished my first year at uni And I was planning on being a primary school teacher, so I'd gone to Manchester Met and I'd done my first year and um, I was really enjoying it, I was good at it, it was something that I could do, Um, but all the way through the summer break I just had something stirring within me that, like Jill mentioned, that stirring, and I really felt that God was just asking me to not do that anymore, to stop doing my course And I didn't know what was going to happen next. I had no plans whatsoever. I just didn't know what God was asking me to do. And so I stopped my course on the very first day of the second year. And that's why my mum was angry. (laughs) Because she said, you've got no plans. What are you going to do? This is ridiculous. And I said, I just feel like I I have to do it. I just, I need to do it and I have to. And um, I didn't know what was around the corner, but it was truly the best decision that I have ever, ever made. 
You know, I wouldn't be doing all the amazing things that I do today, going into schools, working in ministry. I don't know if I'd be living here with my family. Like, it was just a moment where I had absolute surrender to God and I didn't know the next steps, but I trusted that he had it all in control. And he always does. But church, we are called to be set apart. To be people that say to God, here I am, send me. Like, let's be confident in that. To not be led by a spirit of fear, but by an absolute spirit of faith. Shall we stand together? We're going to go back into a time of worship. But today, let's respond to that amazing call from Jesus. That great commission. So get out there and be the hands and feet. You know, maybe today it's responding like Esther. Maybe it's stepping out in that very place that God has called you, planted you. You were born for such a time as this. Or maybe it's responding like David. It is God in you that is radiant. And that is absolutely enough. But maybe there's that challenge for some of us in that proximity to Jesus. Do you need to draw closer to him once again? Or maybe it's responding like Isaiah. Is it today that you just need to stand before God and say, here I am, send me. Throwing off maybe things that are holding you back, not knowing all of the answers, but with a heart of absolute gratitude and surrender to God. You know, I think that prayer is so important for us in this, that we send one another out in prayer. You know, it's so great that we can come together as a church family and support each other, hold each other's hands, lift them up high and then send each other out. So I thought that we could do that this morning, that if you're responding to any of those things, please come forward, bring someone forward with you that's going to stand with you and hold your hand and pray with you. Or come forward and we would love to stand with you as well. But if you responded to anything, come out. Here I am, send me.